Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters, with your hosts, Brett Lindley and Walker Neer. I'm Brett, and today we talk about the games that impacted us the most in 2019. Hey, Walker. So, what's some of the most impactful games that made you pick up your sticks this last year? Hey, what's up, man? Um, yeah, so I, I kind of went through the other day when we were kind of talking about this idea for the, the show and started kind of trying to remember, uh, and I think we both ran into this, where I did I did definitely think of some games that I played in late 2018, so they don't they didn't count. Yep, um, they didn't count. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh man, I've got a ton. Actually, yeah. <laughs> most of them didn't count. Most of them were 2018. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but yeah, the first one that kind of jumped out to me um, from my list is uh, Factorio, um, which I... I believe we've discussed it to some extent here. Um, briefly, for anyone who's not familiar, Factorio is a actually a, technically an early access game in Steam that's yep. been there for, I want to say, four years. I could be it's slightly off. It's been a long time. It has been out for quite a while. I definitely had it at least in 2016 because I've moved twice since the first time I played it. Uh, okay, <laughs> so I, I know fair that enough. much. Um, and I wanted, and I don't, I didn't buy it when it came out. Right. right. So that's why I'm guessing. I think I, didn't I adopt that one before you did? I feel like I got you into that one. I don't know. That could be, um, I know I had seen it and I had, so I had played the Minecraft with mods that we've talked about a lot. Right. I played with logistics mods mm-hmm. where really the most fun I had in Minecraft ever was simply, we had this thing called a quarry that would dig out like a, I don't think it was a whole chunk. I think it was like 20 by 20 could, or something. Yeah, you could set it up. You could make it. Yeah, but there was still a max right. size. But anyway, and it would just mine every block all the way to bedrock within whatever square or, you know, four-sided shape you'd set up. Right. And so what that does is it generates an enormous volume of blocks and every type of block because you're going from surface to bedrock, Right. right? Well, so then the game, the mod that we had also featured a a way to have the quarry pump pipes, or excuse me, pump blocks into these pipes, and then you could put it, set up filter pipes. Right. So then I set up this huge network of chests and, and made it so that automatically the chests were filled yep. with the different block types. Um, the downside was always the downside of Minecraft for me, which is that... Once we got all that set up, it turns out that we have no actual real functional use for that, that volume of blocks. <laughs> I mean, I guess we could have treated it like creative mode at that point because we've got everything. Right. Um, but anyway, but but so I really like that. And Factorio is pretty much a game of entirely that. It's a, entirely a logistics simulator, if you will. Yep. Um, but it's also kind of got some tower defense elements mm-hmm. to it. They don't really call it that, but that's kind of basically what it is. You set up yeah. defenses around your base. Um, as a, and it's not fair to call it a survival game because you don't have to manage your little person in any way There's right. other than their health meter. So I get that it's not actually a survival game, but what it shares with all other survival games is the need to harvest resources and from down the trees first. Yeah. <laughs> the difference is, is that in Factorio, the game is really all about automating everything. Right. So you you really, and there's even a, an achievement, I don't remember what it's called, but where like you only build like, 
I don't know, 80 things by hand or something. Oh, like you do yeah, very, yeah, yeah. because you can automate even the production of every item through factories. Yep. You can build factories using factories. Correct. Um, and yeah, I just, I got super sucked into it at the beginning of this year. I, I started playing it and then I had a couple buddies that were here that were also playing it with me. And so like <laughs> I had a game with both of them, but I was into it enough that I actually separately started my own game. Uh, and I actually did that twice because the first time I played by myself, I played with not no enemies, but the enemies were significantly uh, weakened. Right. And, like they didn't expand very fast and stuff. Um, and so then when I got to the end of that, I was like, well, I should play it on default settings. So I started a new game and played on default settings. And yeah, I don't know. Factorio is just a it's a game of uh, endless challenges like there's always something else to do there's always something wrong because every nothing is ever perfectly efficient um and yeah i don't know i just had a, a ton of fun playing factorio tried just within the last week or so to, to get back into it again with a whole bunch of more complicated mods and gave it a couple hours and then was a little bit taxed so haven't <laughs> I definitely, I, while I don't think it was this year, because I don't think I've actually touched Factorio this year. Ah, oh, no, I take that back. I have, but it, it wasn't this one that I did. Because mm. um, they did their nuclear update this year, right? That was this year? Or was that last year, too? I th Man. think it was last year. I mean, nuclear <gasps> was in when we played, but we were right. playing. Well, no, they did like a huge overhaul to it mm. at some point recently. But anyway, um, that is all to say that like that I had played once where I wanted to increase the enemy difficulty and make that be more of a challenge because the first few times I played, even with default settings, that they isn't too bad. Um, I remember playing one version where the like worm things that would come up were actually they called tunnelers and it, it played like tremors where if you didn't have concrete down, they could burst through anything that wasn't concrete. Oh, wow. And so they would, and the, and it, so there would sometimes be several of those that came with a big bunch of enemies at your base at night. And if you didn't have concrete down, then they would just burst up. Now I don't think they started bursting up until you could get concrete. Like, you had to have a certain level of pollution before they would start coming with the waves. But I remember the it was a mod that made the enemies more aggressive and actually made me like, I need concrete first thing, you know? Yeah, no, it's it's definitely um, it's definitely come a long way. It's surprising how much they've changed it. In fact, they've changed so many of the recipes for what stuff like. So the way that you kind of progress in the game is you building, you know, you build conveyor belts and little inserter arms to take stuff and place stuff on those off and on those conveyor belts ultimately to take stuff to factories to produce more products whatever that may be sometimes it's you know derivative stuff and sometimes it's the actual end product like a, a turret or a, another factory or whatever that is but the primary thing that you're really building towards is creating these little science packs and those are what you use to fund your research which unlocks new technology options yeah. whether that be logistics military whatever um and so we, we had loaded up this year when we played, we loaded up some of our old maps from a couple of years ago. And yeah, the whole factory just doesn't work because the stuff that we were making uh, science packs doesn't yeah. make science packs anymore. Um, but Factorio, you know, something that you and I have talked about just between the two of us quite a bit in, in here somewhat, um, but is the idea of kind of the, you know, in quotes, the good guy developer and yep. And a big part of the good guy developer, frankly, is just frequent updates and transparency with what's going on, whether right. that be good or not. 
And Factorio is awesome about that. I think it's it's more to show when it's not good and the developer is open about it. Because anybody can be open about the good stuff. Like that's right. super easy. It's hard when it's like, wow, I've been I spent three months on this update and realized at this point that it would be way better if I started over from scratch. Yeah. And like, and I'm going to do that because I want to deliver the right content, which is kind of some of the stuff that they did with like the way the rail updates and stuff worked is like mm-hmm. a lot of that. They went back to the drawing board completely on, but based on community feedback. Well, and like the reason they changed the recipes is because what they were doing is they changed the recipes to require things that they, that they want the player to understand that they should be automating. Right. So like inserter arms, again, the things that taken stuff on and off the belts like you can make them by hand in the game relatively easily but you shouldn't be you should be producing them exactly and so it constantly so they they redesigned everything to make it so that everything you're producing is something that you probably need to use that's kind of interesting because i always wondered why that was a requirement to make like science packs or something i was like i was always really frustrated that i needed to be automating the inserter arms but that's a really good point Right, right. Well, and that's 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 why I say I bring up their their communication with the community and their transparency is that they just do a really excellent job of of const. I mean, literally every Friday they post the Factorio Friday facts. Yep, and it's just a list of what they've been working on, what they anticipate coming up. They do like one of the most recent things that they had fixed that I saw within the last few months um, was the bug AI, the bugs are the enemies. The bug AI had an anti-collision thing built into it. Mm -hmm. So they didn't run into each other and get stuck or whatever. Well, what that ended up causing was that, and they showed a video of it and they're great about this. They're great about showing how something worked before the fix and then how it works after the fix. See it in text, but then actually just visually see what they're talking about. So like when a group of enemies would attack your base they would all get kind of in range and then they would like speed up once they realized there was an attack and like charge. Well, since they're all trying to attack the same point, they all are moving to the same point. So then all this collision would happen. Well, since they're not supposed to collide, it created this really herky jerky kind of thing where it looks like they're no pun intended, but like kind of bugging out. Yeah. They kind of zigzag in this weird. Yeah. They're moving in weird patterns because they're trying not to collide with one another. Okay. Well, what that did is it cre- it made it made a their charge way slower, and it also caused them to come in in more of a line because right. they're all waiting their turn. So to fix that, they just went in and simply removed the collision detection. So now, you know, maybe a little immersion breaking. The bugs technically can kind of ghost through one another, right? But it's just them crawling on top and over each other. It's it makes to me that's great. I think it's better. It's like it's it's really swarming. Right. And graphical fidelity is not the reason anyone plays Factorio to begin with. Um, But anyway, yeah. It and so now there's none of those delays, and they all just charge. And and again, you can see that in the side by side videos. And it's like, is that you know enormous? No, but it's it makes sense that that's something to fix, and it's cool that they are open and transparent about it and explain it and, and all of that. Um, but yeah, yeah. Factorio really, uh, really took a lot of my time. Uh, what was, what was something that you had, had you picking up your sticks this year? 
So I'm going to piggyback and uh, off of kind of what we're talking about, which is this idea of the good guy developer. And I've got a, a, a massive shout for, for Levelhead for 2019. So Levelhead is a platformer maker game for PC uh, and also coming out hopefully in 2020 on Xbox One and Switch and hopefully PlayStation 4 and possibly Android and then maybe iOS. <laughs> but it's a akin to like a, a Mario maker, but not. It's a platformer maker. So it's, it is in the style of like a Mario maker game. But it's much more. It's got its own creative elements. Uh, it's it fits into Butterscotch Shenanigans, their universe that is both part of Crashlands as well as some of their older mobile titles like Quadrupush Rampage um, and, and Flop Rocket. So it, it's all in the same world. You control GR18 and have to deliver uh, this cute, adorable little package that looks kind of like a companion cube uh, to a goal. And you go through various hazards. There's all kinds of power-ups. There's all kinds of stuff. Uh, but one of the the big things, I mean, it, it ate up a massive chunk of time. I was pre-alpha and then like secret pre-alpha tester uh, and then an alpha tester. And then basically they opened it up to quote-unquote beta or early access. And it, it was just like, it. they're so open with their development to the point of like, their patch notes are actually something that is automatically deployed as they fix bugs. So they have a whole tool system in their pipeline so that they don't actually write their patch notes. They, When they fix a bug in the code, you just use like a comment line or whatever to say fixes bug number 187. And as soon as you publish that chunk of code to like the GitHub, they have a tool that sees that it fixes that bug and pulls over whatever text it is that of what how it fixes it and just adds it to the patch notes. And so what this makes is that they actually have just a live patch notes page where you can go refresh and once or twice a day, if there are changes being made to the game, even if they're not released yet, you can see what's going to be released in the next version, which I think is really cool. Uh, additionally, they give shout outs in their patch notes to... Um, not just because it's not just bugs, but also game suggestions. So whether it be the way two blocks collide or interact or adding, asking for more like switch IDs or adding words to their, they have a name combobulator, which that generates level words from, uh, all of this stuff, as well as bugs and other things. If you find one in the game and you submit it, they'll shout you out in their patch notes, which go public every time there is a release comes out. And they say like, Hey, Thanks, you know, thanks Brett or thanks Walker or thanks 9J08 for for seeing this bug and, and bringing it to our attention or requesting this feature or whatever. And the game started with, I mean, it came out when it launched in early access. There was a ton of game there. There was plenty of game. Um, but now I'm actually waiting. Full release is going to come hopefully early 2020. And I've kind of backed off playing it because I'm ready to experience it as a whole new game. It's it, There's so much content that's been added to the game and so many things have been updated and changed and, and really polished that I'm just... I'm excited to play a game that I already own, but I'm excited in the way that, like... I'm excited for like a Christmas present like that, like unwrap. Like I already own it and I have it and I've accidentally launched it a couple times because it's on my smart bar. 
<laughs> it's next to Discord. So, but I just alt F4 immediately because I don't want to see. I don't want to know. I like. I want to keep that. There's enough change that's happened. I was I was following it because they were updating it like weekly at first, and now there's so much they they've adjusted their update schedule some, and they've updated their comment their content schedule some. I just kept kind of backed off. I didn't want to burn out, and I'm just like I'm ready to play it again as a whole new game. Yeah, um, I had no idea that Levelhead was coming out until you got into it, and then kind of you know introduced me to to the idea of it. Um, and yeah, I ended up picking it up when it came out the day it was launched on early access. You were streaming and that sort of stuff with it there at yep. first. Um, and yeah, it's a, it is a, a really, really cool game. I love platformers and it's an excellent platformer in its own right. And then the fact that it has all these level creation tools is, is really awesome. And I, I think it's, it, it, it's, it's unfortunate that it's overshadowed by Mario maker because of just simply the brand power of Mario. Right. But the thing that I just, I, I feel, I, I hope that they lean into and I hope that they succeed, um, they being Butterscotch Shenanigans, the developer, is is that let's assume that they're, and I, you know, I know that, you know, you think that Levelhead is even a superior game to Mario Maker and I'll concede that. So let's, let's say <laughs> that's true. Let's say it's, let's say they're even though for the sake right. of this argument. Let's say they're incredibly even games. The primary difference is that Mario Maker is only on the Switch. And to be honest, I don't know anyone in my friend group that has a Switch. I I want one, but it's just lower. It's always one step lower on the things that I want list compared to other things. I mean, I want one too, but honestly, unless I buy one in the next six to nine months, which I don't anticipate, I'm probably the next console I'll buy will be a PlayStation 5. Like I'll probably Uh, upgrade that, you know? Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, Levelhead's super cool. Um, well, and they just lean so hard into community. Like yeah. they spent so much time, and so I've I've been following this game since its conception. It was conceptualized uh, after a game jam, and I follow their podcast, their dev studio. I just am really big fans of theirs, and um, and I like how open their development style is. So I, I've been following it since it was conceptualized and to see it come out. And then once it came out, they basically were like, they changed a huge chunk of how the game was kind of played to lean into. If you make a level that you actually think is good and you are willing to put in the effort, people will play that level. Like it's one of the biggest problems that people complain about in Mario Maker is discoverability. Like you just, unless you're a YouTuber or a Twitch streamer or something, people aren't looking for your levels. And unless you're like the top creator and whoever just is the top creator because they're in that slot stays there, you Mm -hmm. know, because that's what anybody sees when they go looking. Whereas in Levelhead, there's essentially like an entire social media platform built into the game, which I think is just incredible and a ton of extra work that they didn't need to do. But they did it because they want you, if you are willing to put at the time and the effort to make a level, which is what most of their player base is going to be. There's always going to be people that play the game just to play other people's levels. But a lot of people that get into that type of game get into it because they at least kind of think they might want to make a level, right? And so they say, like, if you want to put in that effort, and that's what the game is really about, there should be tools and, and options available to help you maximize that part of the game. 
and and being able to publish a good level and then have other people kind of vote on it and different ways to market it and stuff and and getting exposure bucks which are also just kind of an amusing <laughs> you get paid an exposure kind of right. tit for tat you know and, and all those kind of stuff just something that really it made me happy to see it kind of come to fruition and and see it it didn't make the biggest splash but it also wasn't completely unrecognized and the fact that they got the uh the xbox game pass deal for 2020 i think is no matter what at least for a while it's gonna hit big um and then hopefully it stays hitting big after that um because i think they deserve it they deserve that game to to just go gangbusters um and so, yeah, I'm just kind of eager and, and waiting for that. And maybe I'll start streaming again next year. So we'll see. Yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the next game I have on my list is actually not a PC game, which <gasps> it, I think it, it is the only one on my entire list. That's <laughs> it's not. <laughs> um, and that game is actually a PlayStation 4 game called Persona 5. Ooh, um, yep. Are you familiar at all with the Persona series? Mm-hmm. I haven't really got in and played them but i have uh watched kind of watched other people play and and picked up on them from various news outlets and stuff so i had always heard i I, the first time i ever heard of a persona game was persona 3 um and it sounded really really cool but i want to say it was only on handheld and or just some platform that i didn't have it might have been ps3 i don't know but whatever i didn't have that um so I'd never played one. Well, then when I got a PS4, Persona 5 was out, and I decided I'd, I'd pick it up because I had always heard so much good about it. And it really is an excellent uh, an excellent JRPG, and it's a very... Um, it's kind of a very modern JRPG, which makes sense because it was made now, but just that... I don't know. It's got some some pretty complicated ideas in it, and it's actually one of the few games where I personally am am very much pulled along by the story. Like the gameplay itself is is fun. Right. Uh, but it's kind of tr- it, it's kind of traditional JRPG JRPG gameplay where you're, you know, it's turn-based and you're selecting an ability and the next party member so on and so forth. Um but like so the premise of the game is that you the main character and your little group of friends are basically have the ability to go into an alternate dimension, we'll call it, um, where you're effectively invading the heart or the souls of corrupt people. So like the first guy that you go after is, this is only mild spoilery. This is all very early in the game. Um, Like the first guy you go after is a, volleyball coach at a high school who is physically abusing male students and sexually abusing female students to the point that one female student tries to kill herself. Um, so pretty heavy kind of stuff, but instead and it's interesting. And I think it's because it's, it's from Japan, which has a very different culture around violence than America. Right. Um, instead of killing him or instead of, destroying him in some way, which is what my initial reaction to do is, right? right. So like, here's someone abusing kids, kill him, right? Well, no. <laughs> Instead, what you do is you go into his heart 
and or again his soul or whatever in this alternate dimension and basically the distorted version of himself rules there and so you go and defeat the distorted version of himself and steal the thing that the distorted version holds as its dearest prize and so upon doing that you effectively destroy this like distorted version of himself within himself but he's not aware consciously of any of this going on right right? and then when you when you're done he actually is forced to have it because this distortion is now gone he is now on his own recognizes the monster that he's been and immediately turns himself into the police and immediately addresses the school and so it's like it's not that you're letting them off the hook it's that you're kind of forcing them to face their own villainy right and then deal with that and suffer the consequences of it which are not death but instead a life that they don't like like going to prison or whatever that case may be right um and I'll only go through the I'll only introduce the second one just so you understand that the game is not all about kids being hurt because I was kind of like, wow, this right. is heavier than I thought. Yeah. The second the second guy is an artist who is an older artist that hires younger struggling artists and then steals their artwork and then publishes it as his own. Gotcha. Now I think there still might be something where he might kill them. I don't know for sure, but either way. At least it's about plagiarism, not <laughs> children abuse. Right, um, right. But anyway, yeah, I mean, stylistically, the Persona games are... Well, really I was going to... Like, one of the things that always struck me is you can you can recognize a Persona game, or at least you can recognize Persona 5 in the news without even seeing any of the words of the gameplay if they show any menu shots. Right. Because, like, when there's so much polish on a game that your menu system is stylized, interactive, fun, and a clear, like you could show me like, I don't know, a halo settings menu versus like space engineer settings menu. Mm -hmm. And I probably wouldn't tell, I I might be able to guess them if there's like background animations or something, but I might not if they're just kind of that generic blue neon outlined buttons you know right but when you see like just a blink of a persona menu it's just lightning bolts and black white and red and these stark contrasts these tears and this like the the settings menu is action like it is tense and it, it is suspenseful in just its style and it, like just seeing that's like oh man this is get ready for an intense wild crazy game just from the settings menu. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really impressive. Um, and it's interesting, like the, the, cause you lead kind of two lives, you know, you're, you're going, you're taking your band of phantom thieves as you're called and going and raiding these different places. But you're also in between these missions or whatever you want to call them. You're, you're just a high school kid. So right. you play through the daily life of this kid as well. So you like go to school and now to be clear, you don't have to like sit through eight hours of classes or something. Right. But like when your character wakes up, you pretty much automatically either is at school or is on a train and there's usually some little interaction. And then sometime throughout the school day, you'll have some interaction, whether that be with like a teacher calling on you and asking you to answer a question, which if you get right, increases your intelligence stat. All right. right. So, but they're actually kind of hard questions. It's surprising. <laughs> I've gotten some of them right, and some of them it's like, who would know that? But it's Japanese um, kids. 
I know. Much I... <laughs> but anyway, so it, it's yeah, I don't know. And when I heard that, I was like, I am playing as a high school kid. I don't. That seems kind of weak. Right. No, it's great. It's uh, it, it it's fun pretty much right away. And um, yeah. If 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 you're into JRPGs at all and have access to a PS4, I cannot recommend Persona Five enough. It's it's to try and there's so much more to the story beyond what I described, but I would have to talk for 20 more minutes and I don't know that it would be coherent. Uh, <laughs> no, so that, that's what I've heard is that like, it just doesn't make sense unless you play through it. And even then maybe some good luck points. There's, there, there's just a lot, there's just a lot of stuff. There's just a lot of stuff going on. Right. Um, but it's, it's all, yeah, it's all really cool. And, and it's fun. Like it's got good co- comedy in it. Like it's, it's funny. Um, I don't know. It's it it's pretty impressive. I yeah can't recommend Persona Five enough. Nice. Well, uh, I'll I'll bring up a game that at least when I got it wasn't on PC. It's one of my tops for the year, although it is on PC now. Uh, and that is Bloons Tower Defense Six. Oh okay. Yep. So I have and still don't own it on PC. Um, I still own it on tablet primarily because that's where I get the most out of the game. Um, Bloons Tower Defense 6, of course, the sixth in the series of Bloons Tower Defense games where you play as commander of an army of adorable and interestingly anime kind of style monkeys who throw sharp objects at invading balloons from your basic red balloon to lead balloons to camouflage balloons and blimps and and other much bigger dirigible type balloons Mm -hmm. uh all of the tracks are pre-made tracks although they do have like five different tiers of difficulty and then each map within that has like six or eight game modes that increase the difficulty so you can play an easy map up through kind of a difficult tier um but then a medium or hard map it, it, the easiest version of that is still medium or hard, and then increases another you know, five or eight steps beyond that, depending on the, the type of game mode. Um, but it's just, it's for me, it's so good. They've kept up some decent updates on it. They've you know changed the powers and costs of a lot of things. Um, not quite as frequently as some of the other games that we've mentioned, but it, they're still you know keeping track of. They've released a couple of new towers, some new heroes. Um, there are microtransactions, but it is also a pay-up-front game, so the microtransactions are not really heavy. Um, there's a, not much of the like pay-for-gems-type stuff, and instead it's a couple of skins Like if you want to continue supporting the developer, but those skins can be acquired in-game for not a lot of... like It's not that expensive to get new heroes and new skins and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like maybe an hour gameplay per skin if you want to dedicate, if you're trying for it. Um, right. uh, me, I spend my money on random other things that make my experience more fun, like monkey farmers and things that automate collecting bananas so I don't have to. <laughs> but yeah. it's always just like it's gone on me. I take my tablet anytime I go on any kind of road trip, uh, any kind of thing where I'm going to be waiting, like if I'm going to car like a mechanic to get my car fixed or uh, at an airport to wait for somebody to come into town you know whatever it is if i'm bringing my tablet 99 percent of the time if i have more than 80 percent power on my or if i have if i have more than like 50 percent power on my tablet i'm playing balloons yeah. um 
and if I have less, I'm plugging in a battery, and then I'm playing Boomins. <laughs> it's just always good for me. It's it's the kind of quintessential tower defense game. It's got everything that I like about tower defense games, and if there's something that I don't like, like a a lot of tower defense games have a certain required level that you beat or something. There's none of that here. I can just skip it. I can skip maps that I don't like. I can play maps that I do like. I can pick my game mode. I can give myself self-imposed, like I'm going to play with certain types of things or whatever. It's got really good leveling systems in it so that the whole game doesn't hit you at once. Uh, when you first pick the game up, you can't unlock all the different tiers of stuff and actually can't play the hard maps um, right out the gate until you play at least a few of the earlier ones to start unlocking some of the the higher tier abilities and stuff. I just feel like everything about it is exactly what I want in a game that I'm going to play in short bursts on a mobile device. I don't think it's as great on a phone because there's just a lot to the game to, to happen on the screen at once. So I really do think like a tab, at least a small tablet or a big like XL kind of phone is, is kind of your minimum, but it's just, it's, it's everything that I want. It's nothing that I hate. And it, and as a game on mobile, um, it's just the, the lack of microtransactions and the ease at which I'm able to to feel like every time I jump into the game, I'm making some more progression because I haven't capped out like the monkey knowledge tree or whatever. So there's always something for me to strive to in that game. And that's coming from somebody like I don't play the races. I don't play the challenge maps. They have daily challenges with rewards and leaderboards and stuff. I don't do any of that. And I still feel like there's always challenge and progression, always new maps coming out. They do holiday themes. They even have special in-game things that change during the holidays, like during uh, October, there was like pumpkins that you could collect. And if you collected enough of them, it caused skulls to travel the track and pop balloons for you. It was just, you know, little stuff and applied to any level. Fun little things like that. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Yeah. You introduced me to balloons. TD five was the first time I'd ever played one. And um, I, I don't, I, I, I consider myself kind of an avid tower defense game person, but at the same time, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I there are pr- probably people who are way more into them than I am. So, That's fair. yeah, whatever. That being said, um, I completely agree that Balloons is the best tower defense game that I've ever played. Now, uh, like, there's one actually that I just played here recently that is satisfying in different ways because it's got, you know, it's it it's spaceships and helicopters and tanks. And it's very high graphical quality, and there's physics. So when you blow up a helicopter, it actually explodes, and helicopter bits fly. And so that's all satisfying, right? But with balloons, it is from a gameplay perspective. Yeah, I think it's you know head and shoulders above any yeah. other tower I've ever played. I, I think that it's it's something really interesting to say because it's like I think that. Any other tower defense game I've played has something that they do better than balloons, be it graphics or AI or anything. But no game does all of it to the the level that balloons does. So, like, I would say balloons is the best all around. Mm -hmm. And then if you have if you like tower defense games and you want something specific, like the first person shooter of Sanctum or whatever, whatever Mm -hmm. your flavor is, you, you can go have your fun there. But I feel like if you enjoy any kind of tower defense game at all, give Bloons a try. Even if you feel like I don't, this looks like a, a child's game. It really kind of, I mean, it's not. It's 
the art, some of the art pieces in there, some of the internal jokes are there's some some little little head nods to other places. Now, of course, there's no like adult content, but it's it's not cutesy to just be cutesy. It's just kind of the theme of the game, and it's fun. It's playful in a way that like desktop tower defense was, you know. So. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I think it's kiddish in the same way that Mario Kart is, or something, sure. right? I mean, you know. So, and I and obviously, plenty of adult people enjoy some Mario Kart. Um, I think that, uh, and you know, something that you brought up is that it's it's all predetermined kind of levels and layouts, and something that that can lead to in some tower defense games is that it's kind of a puzzle where there's. Right. one way to solve it like it's actually you've been playing sudoku it's almost like it's like a sudoku no, it definitely event, yeah right? a lot of them can be where it's like until you figure it out that this tower this tower has to be upgraded to level two and this one to six and this one to five and they have to be placed in this order on these turns you just mm-hmm. won't win but with balloons because there's such a variety of towers there's just again assuming you're not playing a challenge map or something right. that limits you just to there's pretty much always a wide variety of ways to solve the problems now. And you can play them your way. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Balloons games. Very good. Ninja Kiwi, I think is yep. the developer. Ninja Kiwi's yeah. developer. And they're, there's actually, I mean, if you, and if you like the balloons tower defense games, a lot of their other stuff is still, while it's starting to get dated, still kind of good. Like they have a, a shmup style game in the same universe. They have a city builder they, where it's you you build and expand a, a towns-like city, and to do so, you have to take territory away from the balloons. So you go and fight these miniature tower defense levels that are like condensed versions. And that one does have more of the like challenge-style maps where you have a limited number of towers or whatever. They're mm-hmm. usually not super difficult, and it's just another way to play the game. But I think that overall, TD6 is by and far and away their best take at that style yeah no i would i would agree entirely um all right so the next game i have on my list is an mmo hashtag mind blown i know (gasps) (laughs) i bet you i can't guess the developer (laughs) i actually bet that you can't oh all right yeah yeah well, for sure that that one will be next then. <laughs> I think you're correct. Uh, I'm gonna, I was saving it for two, so I don't do two MMOs in a row, but yes. Um, so the first MMO you are familiar with, you just wouldn't know the developer's name because I can't even remember it off the top of my head right now without looking, and that is Project Gorgon. Oh, yeah. Um, so Project Gorgon is a indie MMO that is in early access. I think it's been out for a couple of years now. I don't know his exact release date. Um, but it is intentionally a throwback to older MMOs in many ways. Now, in some ways it's not like, it's not, it's not punishing in the same way that like EverQuest would be, or it, it, it's not, um, it's not demanding in, in some of the ways that with some of the ways that the old games are. However, what it does unlike any other MMO I've ever played, which, as I always say, many, many MMOs played, um, it it really, really leans heavily into exploring the world and interacting with NPCs and really having to learn the world. So 
when you start the game, you get your world map. Well, it shows the terrain, but it has no landmarks on it, right? So it's the opposite of Far Cry Primal that we <laughs> right. talked about recently, right? It's the opposite of a Ubisoft game. And in fact, it never adds landmarks to the map. What it does is it gives you the ability to add landmarks to the map. However, you're limited in the number of landmarks that you can add to any one given map. And you can upgrade that by upgrading your like cartography skill, I think, which just comes from exploring stuff, which is really, really cool because it ends up putting you in scenarios where like you really kind of have to decide what the most important thing to leave marked on the map is because you might be out. Um, the combat in it is 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 pretty engaging. Uh, the skill system is pretty cool. It's kind of a la Skyrim in that you level up what you use. So your character doesn't have just a meta overall level as much as you might have level, you could have level 50 sword, but then if you switch to unarmed combat, you're back to level zero or level one or whatever and have to level unarmed back up. Right. Um, you can combine two skills at any time. So there's, you also don't pick a class up front. You choose, again, you could choose sword fighting and unarmed or sword fighting and healing or whatever range of things you want. Also, all of the skill trees are not immediately available to you. So like to learn fire magic, you actually have to do some quests to, get a guy to teach you fire magic. But if you haven't done those quests for him, you don't know. And unlike WoW <laughs> or most modern MMOs, there's no exclamation point over anyone's head. So there's no indication that that guy has a quest that will give right. you fire. Simple magic. farmer could actually be the samurai warrior that teaches you katanas. Like, Right. So what, I think I've shared this story before, but I'm not, but I'll, I'll try and be as brief as possible, but it just is a great illustration of, 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 the open-endedness of the game, which MMOs outside of something that's completely sandbox like Eve or Albion Online don't really have. And that is, so I wanted to level up skinning. Well, to level up skinning, you have to have a skinning knife. Well, I couldn't find a skinning knife. So I asked finally in zone chat, where do I find a skinning knife? And some guy said, there is a ranch hand at the farm in this zone that will give you a skinning knife. And I was like, cool. Well, I don't know where the farm is and I don't know who the ranch hand is. So I run around, I find the farm, I find the ranch hand and he doesn't have a knife for sale, but he does have a quest. And the quest is that he wants, I think it's like a seed or something. But so then that sends me on this whole new quest to find said seed. And upon locating it, I I then take it back to the farmer. That completes the quest. Now he'll sell me a skinning knife. So it was this whole adventure to get this skinning knife. Well, it turns out when I go to the very next zone, which is also a low-level zone, so I could have been there very early, there is just a vendor that sells a skinning knife. <laughs> which didn't upset me, though, because I, I love that the person who answered me when I said, where can I get a skinning knife in this zone just told me how I could do it in that zone. Right. Instead of saying, but you also could go to the, next the other zone. zone over. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, he just, doesn't know about that, you know, like it's possible. It's possible. Um, but yeah, it's just a, a, a wholly unique game. Now I will say the, the visual, the graphics of it 
are kind of lo-fi. Now, part of that is intentional because they want it to look like an old MMO. Right. So I can get that. Some of it, I don't, I, I, I think it's intentional, but I don't know if it will ever change or not. Like, for example, when you select an enemy, instead of it just like kind of highlighting them and maybe having like their nameplate show up, it draws an entire visible, thin, but still visible box right. around that character. And then, yeah. And, and so there's things like that that I think probably would turn a lot of people off because it, it's like, <laughs> why does it look this way? Um, I struggle I, with it some, but only because the, the thing – like I can deal with a low graphical fidelity. The thing that bothers me is if they had that same low graphical fidelity but actual options in character customization, then I would be all about it. Like if it yeah. just had more low poly customer or custom – model pieces if it had mm-hmm. a little bit of XCOM to it then <laughs> not not as much sure. as XCOM just a little bit just a little spice of XCOM character creation in there and I'd be all about that game yeah it's definitely uh, I mean I personally am someone who cares very little about graphics if the gameplay is compelling enough um, now that being said I don't play MUDs or something so uh, I yeah, do... we played one the other day yeah but I lasted 30 minutes and <laughs> I'm good um, but anyway, it, it, if you can get past the way it looks, like if that doesn't kill you, it, it is a, a truly impressive and unique MMO. Yeah. For uh, in a world of games that say they give you player freedom and choice and all of this stuff and end up being really just binary choices or choices that don't matter or hmm. don't actually, you know, say it's an open world, but have a very strict way through that open world. Uh, Project Gorgon is definitely one of those that almost gives you choice paralysis because there's so much to do and it doesn't hold your hand. It just kind of no. lets you figure it out on your own. And it well, and it has it just has some really cool mechanics. Like so, for example, when you die, you don't lose all your stuff or lose a bunch of XP or something like that. So that's why I say it's not punishing like EQ one or something like that. But one mechanic that it has that I think is really really cool and i've never heard of in any other game is that if you attack a boss so you go dungeon crawling you find a boss and you kill it or excuse me you fight it but you lose and the boss kills you you get a curse on your character that's unique to each boss that curses you and remains persisting through death until you kill the boss the only way to get rid of it is to kill the boss well like there's an area on the starter island that warns you. It's yeah. like, don't go in here unless you're high level. And um, of course, you're like on the starter island. You're like, yeah, they're just saying that. They mean like level three. And you start walking forward, and it literally fills your screen with like warnings and don't go in here unless you're high level. Like, we're serious. We actually mean it. And I was like, maybe they actually mean it. And I saw somebody <laughs> else run down there and then just saw at the bottom of the screen that they died. And then we're yep. talking about like, how do I get my character to not be a pig? And I was like, "Welp, I'm not going that way." Yeah, well, so there's, I think there's 70 different skills that, again, you can combine any two in any way you you please. Um, and there, I don't know how, I don't know what the count is. I think it's double digits though. But there's like double digit animals that you can you can play as a cow, you can play as a pig, you can play as a bat, spider, wolf. Um, and, and it's not just like like a WoW druid, which is my favorite class in WoW. In WoW, I can turn into a cat, and then I press a button, I'm a bear, and I press a button, I'm back to a Tauren or a Night Elf or whatever I am. Right. In this, if you do get turned into a pig, 
you are a pig until you find out how to get unturned from a pig, which is not an ability you have. Right. Now, like the pig specifically has like a potion that drops pretty early that you can find that unpigs you. But some of the other stuff like werewolf or uh, I think vampire is one, uh, the bat, like those things are not as easy to, to shed. And it's just really rare, especially in modern MMOs, for there to be choices that have long-lasting consequences. So, yeah, significant consequences that you may not like for a long time. And it, well, like, well, it's hard to be, like, 40 hours into a character and face something that, like, makes you have a serious conversation about whether you just start over or not. Like, that is that punishing, you know? But without being a hardcore reset of something. Like, if it's not a right. hardcore playthrough of Diablo... And you've just right. got a serious choice of like, I could be stuck as like a bat or something for 10 hours or yeah. longer. And and nobody's, it's not just like you go into all chat and be like, Hey, somebody help me not be a bat. And some high level person comes up and no, none of that happens that you have to do these ridiculous and not for all of them, like you said, but a lot right. of them have very intense demanding structured kind of quests and things that you have to go through to, to get them removed. Right. Well, and, and the thing is, is that the community is pretty small. So the community, on average, you have between one and 200 players on at any given time. I don't know what the total community is, which on the one hand is pretty little. But on the other hand, what that does is it's a community that is largely very, very interested in that game and what it's trying to do. And so, like, you'll see someone ask a question in all chat and the person who answers has the ability to, and I don't know what, I can't remember, redact, I guess, basically, but they can basically black out the text so that you have to highlight it with your mouse in order right. to read it, which is awesome. It's like spoiler. Yeah, text. it keeps you from spoiling it. Yep. But people do that very seriously. Like, they take that stuff very seriously because they, they don't want, uh, they don't want to ruin the experience well, and, for other people who don't know. One of the other things that I love, so, like, on top of the cartography, which I love, because it gives a a usually meaningless skill in a lot of other games mm -hmm. in actual meaning but also that it gives you like a notebook in like it's just a text editor in the game yeah and and that to me it like it makes me think of like mist and other games that it gives you a lot of hints and a lot of pieces of dialogue that you don't get to go back and reread whenever you want you've nope. got to write it down if you think it's important that the ancient king of tall reg is you know, was buried in the mountains of Sanduin. If any of those things are important, you have to write them down. There is one final mechanic that I actually have to share because I've never even considered anything like this in an MMO. It is, it might be the coolest mechanic in the whole game, actually. So there is a thing called power words. And you could, there's a, a recipe you can learn pretty quickly in, into the game. Um, that allows you to create low-level randomized power words. So what it does is it you you make the item and, and use it or whatever, right? And so it creates a power word. Well, what the power word is, is it's a randomly generated set of characters that the game shows you one time, and it tells you what the ability of that random set of character is. So it might be like DFGHTY, right? And it says this will instantly kill you. Or this will uh, increase your movement speed by 30% for 10 minutes or whatever. The uh, Literally tons and tons of different possible buffs. Right. That random character string is unique to your character. 
So if I get it and then I tried to give it to you and you typed it, nothing would happen. Yeah. If I use it, whatever effect is, and then it's gone. So it's also a single use. So what you end up getting, and and honestly, I've only ever made the lowest level power words, but there are other tiers of power words you can get into. So I have no idea how powerful they become. <laughs> but basically, you can imbue characters with these wholly unique single use abilities and then once it's gone, it's gone. And there's a little RNG to them trying to get it back. And yeah, I don't know. I just, I'd never seen a game give someone a spell that they only get to use one time. And there's no guarantee that. You right. And back. you can't, there's no guaranteed way to get that spell or a recyclable. Right. It's like, like radiant questing type thing. Like it's different every time you don't know what you're going to get is. Yeah. is very unique. It's very risky. Yeah. Right. It is. It is. It's a game that definitely takes a lot of risks and kind of shrugs its shoulders and says, "I don't know. This is what we wanted to make, and so this is what we're making, successful or not." Well, and, it's very uh, unapologetic at it, and and I do respect and appreciate that. Like I said, it, it will be one of those things that I see myself diving into for an extended period of time. I'm just trying to line that up with the right portion of my life so that when I do know life, it it'll be great. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So, so now, yeah, it's kind of going on for, for more no lifing. Uh, I definitely no lifed a game that took a kind of not unsurprising, but just unexpected resurgence this year, which is I sunk a ridiculous amount of hours back into Minecraft for like oh, yeah. the sixth or eighth time. And it, it did hit an actual kind of resurgence this year. It made it back into the news several times outside of they had done their kind of announcements for their Minecraft ARPG thing. Um, number one stream on YouTube this year. Yeah. Our number one watched is Minecraft videos. Yeah. So it, it, and now they've always like, YouTube has always had a high grossing, but like hitting Twitch and all these other places and, and jumping back up into those spots is really kind of surprising for a game that's yeah. been out as long as it has. Um, and it would be like if Super Mario, like SNES Super Mario, returned to a number one spot in gaming. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, Minecraft's been out for nearly a decade. Mm -hmm. Not just a decade, actually, at this point. It might be. Um, and, yes, there have been a lot of changes since it came out. Oh, yeah. But there also really haven't been that many changes. Right. Like, There's nothing that's been... It had, nothing has changed the game's core. Right, right. Like, there's not, like you said, they announced the story ARPG thing they're coming out with. Fine, but the actual base game itself still doesn't have, like, a story to play through. Right. You know, like, but anyway. So, yeah, I, I jumped back in, modded it to, to, to the end of the world and back again, um, and in a couple of different ways. And, played through in a kind of a way that I haven't played any game in a long time, which is I built my own story. I played a single player RPG in Minecraft that I just let the game kind of draw out for me. And, and I just basically said, I'm going to write everything down as if I don't know what Minecraft is. I'm going to pretend like I don't know what Minecraft is outside of, I know how, what recipes make what, and I'm allowed to look up what my mods do, but my character doesn't know. Like, the thing in-game doesn't know what's going on. They stumble into some stuff by happy accidents, and they can learn the themes of what's going on, but... Mm -hmm. And it was just... It, it was so 
unique. It was such a unique playthrough, and I still have yet to beat the Ender Dragon. I've never beaten the Ender Dragon in any playthrough that I've done, although that's in most modded versions of Minecraft not the end of the game. Um, but I, I had, I think, more fun than I've had with a creative-style building gate sandbox game like that since, like, the, the first big time that I played through Terraria. Like, I was doing things and building things in, in a higher fidelity than I ever have before. I was enjoying the story writing and um, just... I really kind of lost myself in the game for a good chunk of time in a way that I don't... Because you're not usually attached to the character that you play through in Minecraft. Right. Because you're just Steve or whatever, whatever skin you've selected. But you don't see it a whole lot. You're not... You just get some diamond armor and you go run around and build stuff. But I was really attached to my character. And I was really attached to the story they were telling. I was, I didn't know where it was going to go next. And as a writer, that's something that you, you, when you get to that point, that's when you know you've got something good. Is when you are enthralled by your own mystery that you don't know what the answer to the mystery is going to be. Then that means the reader can't know, you know. Mm-hmm. And and just having that moment where I was telling a story, but I wasn't in full control. I never knew when a creeper was going to blow up or when a bug was going to hit and and crash my game into the void and have me recover a bunch of stuff and have to make up a reason for why that things have changed, you know, right? and and try to fit that all into that character's world instead of just be like, oh, well, the game crashed. I lost a bunch of data. And it's like, okay, but is that a dream of the void? Is that, you know, how does this work? How, why is my character missing amnesia on top of amnesia? Like what's causing them to lose their memories? Like it was so different for me and it all, it all blossomed out of as the resurgence was starting to come back. I saw several people playing like RL craft two, which is kind of the extra hardcore version of Minecraft where crafting is difficult and survival is difficult and just, insane monsters and tons of mods and i was very interested in doing that and instead just kind of built my own mod pack out of you know cobbled together pieces of not overpowered things in a fantasy kind of genre and i don't know it was it was a really good time and i'm i'm definitely i see myself going back to minecraft again and again and again and every time it teaches me something new and it's usually something new about myself and my perspective on gaming. It's not like I learn a new recipe for how to make a pickaxe. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, no, I was, uh, I was definitely also surprised that Minecraft kind of popped back up for you this year. Um, just because, yeah, when's the last time that either of us played Minecraft, right. you know? Um, but I also, I, I mean, you shared, you know, over discord with me, a lot of, um, a lot of the, the prog- progress you were making and just screenshots of the different builds you were working on. Um, and just kind of a general update of like where the story had been going. Right. You know? I mean, you didn't read me the journal or something, but just an overview. And yeah, I thought it was all really interesting. And I mean, we've talked about it on other stuff, but the, just the, the amount of immersion that you were able to get it into it, which then makes the game provide all this value. Right. And in, yeah. in a single player way without streaming, I wasn't recording it for YouTube. I wasn't streaming to Twitch and having people tell me or encourage me or getting any feedback at all. Mm-hmm. And I, I just – I have picked up Minecraft a number of other times, and it goes one of two ways. I either 
play it for 10 minutes or I play it for two weeks. But this time I played it for like two months. Like I was engrossed for a pretty, pretty significant amount of time. And I'm still not, I'm not done, but I may be on an indefinite break. I don't know. <laughs> we'll yeah, see. Yeah. yeah, no, I think, I mean, you'd made this point previously as well that it's a, um, it's kind of a hobby game. Yeah, right? I like definitely am going to go back. It, like, I don't see myself ever playing Far Cry Primal again. Like, oh man, I just haven't played that game in so long. I want no, it's not going to happen. But right. I know there's going to be a day where I'm going to itch and go back to Minecraft. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's uh, I think that's fair. Minecraft is is the 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 game that I have probably evangelized, for lack of a better term, the most in all of gaming. Um, it's just. It's just a, a wholly unique experience, and I don't know. It just completely it, – it changed for me very dramatically what I thought was possible in games. Now, again, it's not new anymore, and there's been a lot of copycats, so I don't know that it provides that same level of, of mind-blown if you had never yeah, played but it's, it and checked it's it out. it's one of the few times that you can go back. Like, I think it's interesting because with, like, games and I guess certain other types of media, like like – more permanent media like books and movies and, and probably music you can do this with but a lot of societal things you don't get the chance to which is to go and like it's it's not like you're going to go through and get even if you got a 14k modem and plugged it in with AOL 3.0 you're still not going to have the experience that somebody you know in the 90s would have getting a modem and, and going on the internet and the same thing with like you can get a Samsung like old school clamshell singular flip phone or a, um, a razor and you're not going to have the same experience as that did to as as what the experience of it changing society was like right right but with something like minecraft even with all of the updates you can go through if you're a first time player it doesn't matter what update you start with you can go through and play through a game that literally changed society and gaming in a, in a not insignificant way, like gaming a very significant way and society, not insignificant. There's a lot of head nods to it that occur and have changed just because of it existing. There's Minecraft themed underwear. for the <laughs> Right. <laughs> and you uh -huh. won't necessarily be a loser for wearing it. It could right. get you a date. <laughs> right. The, the thing is, is that, the thing that Minecraft does still, in my opinion, that no other copycat does, and it's not fair to say that all other games are copycats, but whatever. Like, so for example, I played um, Dragon Quest Builders 2 demo yep. recently, right? Now it's just the demo. I only played for like 40 minutes. So I didn't even, I, I like you start out on this boat and I don't even think I got off the boat. So maybe not even 40 minutes. Um I say that to say that I didn't, it's not like I've given this game a lot of time, so I'm not giving it a negative review right. or something. However, even in that little bit of time, the controls are just a little bit more complicated than they are in Minecraft. Mm -hmm. And and maybe that's because Dragon Quest is designed for Switch initially. Dragon Quest Builders 2 is designed for Switch originally, so you've got to play it with the controller style mapping, right. not a keyboard and mouse. But there is just a beautiful simplicity to Minecraft. Like I love that when I mine blocks, I don't have a stamina meter that yep. diminishes my ability to mine blocks. Um, I love that when I mine blocks, I can just click and hold on the block and I'll just continually hit it with the pick until it breaks. Mm -hmm. As opposed to some games require you to make that click right. for every swing. And that's fine if you have to mine three blocks, but if you have to mine 3000 blocks, 
let me hold the button, you know? <laughs> well, in no other game do you see such beautiful screenshots. You don't see yeah. people recreating Harry Potter and Helm's Deep and the entire, like, StarCraft Enterprise in in immaculate detail off of essentially the least it is the least graphically intense version like you don't have a lot of you don't have angles and triangles and wedges and pentagon or pentagon shaped blocks and stuff you just have squares slabs stairs and like and fences and some other decorative blocks so like it's it's really is more lego than a lot of games that purport to be kind of builder-esque because people use anvils and cauldrons as decorative wall pieces because it's the only way to get another shape in there you know right and, it, and it, that's something that you do in lego is you make do with what you have i think that in having less it has more yeah i agree i agree yeah, Minecraft, uh, incredible game for the whole time it's been out. And the mods, as we've discussed at length, the, the mods just add such a life to it. Um, I don't know. It's it's definitely, that's awesome that it was one of the most important games for you for 2019 because uh, it's one of the most important games for, as you just talked about, gaming culture in the last 10 years. Well, and it's, it's so. just, it's fun because it's not the first time it's been one of my most important games of the year. And, I, right. and hopefully it won't be the last. <laughs> right. So what about you? So the next game on the list, I think, is probably on your list. Um, we haven't seen each other's list. No, we haven't. Okay, this, so is, this is a full surprise. Yeah, yeah. It's like Christmas. <laughs> since we didn't get anything each other for each other. Um, so the next game on my list is StarCraft II. It is not on my list. Wow. I thought about I it. Actually, I actually have to say that it's a little hurtful because I can of see how that too. It, it is was. a really significant. Yeah, I mean, either way, you at least be, you'll certainly be able to talk about. I will. It. I will so. give it. I'll give it honorable mention. It probably deserves better status than that, and one of these others should should get knocked down. Um, Don't worry, I'll, I'll disappoint you in a little. while. Okay, that's fine. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's as fair. long as we share disappointment, it's great. Yeah. Um, no, but so so StarCraft Two. You know, obviously, we've done several episodes talking about mm-hmm. StarCraft Two, but suffice it to say that, um, yeah, huge, huge resurgence for me this year in terms of, of its significance. Um, I've always liked StarCraft Two. When it came out in 2010, I started watching it, started playing it, have played all the expansions, have at least started all of the campaigns. I, I think I beat Heart of the Swarm, have almost finished Wings of Liberty probably like halfway through the Protoss campaign. But really that's because the meat and potatoes of StarCraft II for me is the multiplayer. Um, Never been actually very good. Never even the highest I've ever been is gold. Never been to plat. Um, But despite my incompetence (laughs) at StarCraft II, I still greatly enjoy it. And, you know, this year, especially you actually were the one that kind of got me back into it because you were watching a streamer. You weren't even playing, I don't mm-hmm. think. You were just watching Winter, yep. the streamer. And I got so then you I back started... into it, but then you got me into it. Because I, right. like, yeah, I didn't me... play until you started playing. <laughs> right, right, because Winter called me out mm-hmm. uh, and thereby called us both out. So, um, yeah, StarCraft Two, super, super fun. I mean, I, I know just – I think the most recent thing I talked about with it is just – 
how awesome it is for its um, its attention to detail. Like now, now I have so I have a, a large screen TV in my computer room now. So now I stream StarCraft to replays and pro matches and stuff on my TV, and being able to see StarCraft two just on the bigger screen, it's just it's just crazy the amount of tiny little aesthetic details. Especially when you can just sit and watch it, like when you can Correct. watch like. It, go into it with the intent of like I want to watch how just one unit dies in the first battle. Like I just mm-hmm. want to see just does he melt in acid? Does it is it a hellion that explodes and a flaming tire bounces across that like so yes. detailed? The circling body gets thrown across, yeah, flung the, across, ragdoll. But then impacts with something. Like it yeah. doesn't just ghost through it. Like it has no collision anymore. Like right. But yeah, just so good. Um, and then, like you and I have talked about it, it it actually served as kind of a a, a bizarre life coach right. <laughs> for us. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, I don't know. It it's a it's a it's still, in my opinion, the ultimate one on one PvP experience. Yeah. I don't know anything else that is. Um, exhilarating is a word that I hesitate to use when talking about playing a game but there's some adrenaline rushes with some starcraft too um i think the closest like strangely for some reason the closest i think any other game can get whether it be one-on-one or team fight while a team fight is not something that starcraft is really well known for but the closest i think i can come to is like classic counter-strike like just the tension and where one move can decide a game sort of thing but also the incredible comebacks that can come from an underdog situation like there's just so much going on and i know that they're a very far relationship to each other but i feel like that's the closest that i could come to a a game reaching that the only thing that's different is that in counter-strike as with any team game if you lose there is a strong tendency to want to say my team sucks. Yeah, and that's what, like, as a team, but I've played Counter-Strike as a one-on-one, sort of, especially older versions with much smaller maps. One-on-one sure. Counter-Strike was still a pretty intense thing. and Sure, the game's not balanced around no, that, it's not. Like, StarCraft sure. II designed you know, right. one-on-one. It's not balanced uh, around team point, fights at not, all. <laughs> right, it's not apples to apples, though, so I, I get your point. Um, and yeah, that's, I mean, Counter-Strike is, you know, I, I would say probably... I don't know. One of the more competitive shooters ever, of course. I don't know if it's the most, but it's certainly up there. Um, but, you know, I play MMOs and do PvP in those. Or I play Overwatch and PvP in that. Or I play Hearthstone and PvP in that. And and I like PvP in a lot of varieties, but I don't know. Like, if you want to be a... Hearthstone's far too RNG to, to feel... There's a lot of things that are in your control, but there's a lot of things that just aren't. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's fair. Um, but I've had some some white knuckled Hearthstone matches. <laughs> that's as true. Well. So Hearthstone, you know, definitely can can scratch that itch. But I don't know, like you know, people. The thing is, is that StarCraft just has, to your point, with Hearthstone, like RNG. Well, I'm going to put that in the category. I'm going to call shenanigans. Right. Right. And like you play Call of Duty, for example, shenanigans because yeah. someone gets UAV drone or something. Counter Strike, though to your point is pretty free of shenanigans um, because there's not really anything that anyone can get. That's not available to everyone right. else. Um, 
And StarCraft is very much that. Now, StarCraft might feel like shenanigans because you might get Zerg rushed or something. Um, well, and while and in a Hearthstone there can be those white-knuckle matches, it's like maybe it's just the matchmaking is really good for StarCraft, but every match feels white-knuckle. Yeah, it definitely it definitely does. And and I don't know, it, it's just... Uh, it's like people will will like I play WoW for example, right? And people will will PVP in that, and they'll feel like they're, you know, badass or something for lack of a better term, right? Well, so, and I get it, and it's fine. But in WoW, like you might just have better gear than the other guy, or you might be higher level than the other guy, or your class might just really really Hard be tough for that class to beat, yeah. right? But in in star, it's like if you want to actually like establish yourself as like I dominate other gamers, StarCraft Two is that game. Now again, I've never been plat, right? So I've never been in a position of dominance in that game. No, no. <laughs> Every so match I, I, don't I mean won, I feel like had some element of luck to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's just yeah, StarCraft Two. It's back, you're just back never back comfortable. Back. You're and if you no. you might have like one easy match where you fight somebody lower rank or something, the next match you're going to be against somebody that's higher rank than you, and you're just yep. going to eat it. Like, yep. That's a that's a solid one to to throw in there. So next for you, um, let's see. I'm not sure which. I, I definitely didn't put these in any order at all. These are not going from like <laughs> least to most for sure. <laughs> um, sure, yeah, mine. They're really kind of in order that I played them this year. Is really what I've done. Yeah, I didn't even do that. I just kind of whatever fit with the conversation. <laughs> I don't have anything that fits StarCraft though. <laughs> um, mm. Speaking about space game, no. <laughs> I do have a, a space game on the list. Uh, not a usual space game, but one that I sunk a fair number of hours into and praise for its incredible attention to uh, kind of physics detail and the number of physics things that can be uh, kind of calculated at once in the background without you knowing, and that is oxygen not included. Mm. So mm-hmm. by Clay, uh, you know, makers of Don't Starve and Don't Starve Together and, and all the other various amazing clay games that we discussed in our clay episode. Uh, Oxygen Not Included was just... It, I, not just playing that game, but also watching that game. In fact, I watched a lot of gameplay footage before I, I played this one. And that usually... Mm. I'll usually watch enough gameplay footage to where I hit a point where I'm like they're making bad decisions that I wouldn't make. And I want to see what happens if I make good decisions. So I'm going to play and then I go buy it. This one, I just watched a ridiculous amount of content before I purchased the game. And then after, um, during and and after even I was done playing a lot of, of watch time went into interesting builds and things that can be done with oxygen not included. The vanilla game is deep and 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 crazy and full of life to begin with uh mods just like any other clay game really well supported and really good mods come out of the community for some reason clay games just have really good modders and yeah i think i think it has to do with any game because kerbal does this too any game that has a lot of engineering and kind of real world physics just attracts people that know about engineering and real world physics which means you have a, I, I think i would guess a high number of people that already know how to code so 
that's mm. just a, that's just a a wild you know goose chase guess kind of thing but i think that clay games and like kerbal have good mods because it's just those kind of people that kind of get drawn into them but oxygen not included i sunk a, a great many number of hours trying to properly house and morale boost my little <laughs> costco off the shelf clones and and replicants and trying to protect them from lava and steam vents and their own urine so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i own oxygen not included i think i actually bought it before you did yeah. Um, however, I have played it significantly less than you have because uh, it's way smarter than I was. <laughs> it, it, um, it's smarter than I was. I didn't know what was going on and I was losing a game and couldn't figure out why. It's because they carried hot rocks in and put them in a storage bin and that storage bin was next to something else and the heat started spreading through my base. I'm like, what? Right. Well, I mean, aptly, I think you could say that it is the don't starve of like colony management yes. type game but which is fitting since it's made by clay well, yeah which also but it's so much more to but, say it's a don't starve and not a dark souls because it, it is not gruelingly punishingly dark just to be that it is cute and and happy and fun and has is full of puns and then is punishing and brutal so i would actually i would actually argue that don't starve and oxygen not included are actually more brutal than dark souls probably um because dark souls while seeming really hard on its face is a game actually of just learning patterns yeah. and if you have the patience to observe and learn those patterns i mean a dude beat it playing it with a ddr dance pad. right someone else has beat dark souls with a guitar I Euro controller i don't care what tricky thing you want to come up with you're not beating Don't Starve or Oxygen Not Included <laughs> just because you memorized a couple of patterns. That's fair. Like, GG. Those games are hard. <laughs> like, those, game, <laughs> those, games, those games make me feel worse about myself than even StarCraft does. Because StarCraft is like, well, I just don't practice enough. But Oxygen Not Included and Don't Starve is like, uh, you just don't have the grit internally, man. I think you know? there's something like, to be said for if the art style, <laughs> like, if they did an art style that was closer to, like, uh, a rift world or rim world or you know just any sort of mm -hmm. more serious art style it would not be that as great of a game i think that i, agree it, totally. I think there's something we said for and I, again kerbal is in here i haven't played kerbal this year although i'm i might play before the year is done because several games that i've <laughs> watched lately have made me just want to play kerbal but right. um i think there's something to be said for an educational game disguised as a cute experiment like, I feel like Oxygen Not Included and Kerbal both fall into this, like, Oxygen Not Included lures you in because it looks like a fun, goofy colony sim. Mm. And it is. And you can get it a certain way into the game. You can have, you, like, you don't have to have an engineering degree to get 40 or 60 hours out of Oxygen Not Included. Sure. But as you apply actual engineering principles, even simple ones like radiators, as you apply that, you get 70 or 80 hours, you know, like you get further faster or you're able to do, you're able to outsmart certain aspects of the game. And like, sometimes it is the Sim City where a volcano explodes and dumps lava into your base. Well, you're not doing anything about that. That's just right. something that happens. And, and there's some fun in that, but there's also fun in 
catching the volcano while it's in its dormant stage and building a housing around it that's going to harness that lava to to run steam engines that are going to do some you know like it, being able to get ahead of something like that is is really fun and engaging and it and it's realistic enough that you can apply real world solutions to cartoon problems it's like if you could if you could have a roadrunner versus wily e. coyote situation only use real world physics to try to catch the roadrunner right. like it, you still feel like you're playing with tnt and rocket skates but those rocket skates have actual real world values that you can engineer a way to catch the roadrunner i think is kind of what it does yeah most of the yeah, time I you mean, just fly into a wall though <laughs> right well just like don't starve though like the amount of game that is in there oh, yeah. is shocking. Like you could play for 500 hours and still have new experiences mm-hmm. coming your way. Like it's incredible. And it's, and like you said, it certainly would not be as successful without the, the, the aesthetic design sound and visual. Yep. Um, all of the clay games I think are, are, that's true of, but they do such an excellent job of marrying such a delightful aesthetic with such a brutally hard gameplay yes. mechanic set. Um, Most of the time you are Wily e. Coyote and the game is the Roadrunner and you think you've got a great idea, but that idea is just cobbled together rockets and, and slingshots and things and and you fly off a cliff. If you remember, but you know, you, you brought up Levelhead earlier, which was made by Butterscotch Shenanigans, which we went to their conference, which we have an episode on, yep. um, Shenanicon. Well, at the dinner that we were at after that, we were talking to one of the the brothers from Butterscotch and Don't Starve came up because it kind of is similar to their game Crashlands in a very loose way. Um, and, and that guy was talking about how he'd met the Clay guys and that they actually just have their own custom engine for all of it. And so for every platform that they've gone to, they've just had to recreate. They had to the rebuild engine. the game from the ground up. Yep. Right. But it I, I I kind of love that that's how they do it because it's like, well, no wonder you make the game so hard because making the game is so hard. <laughs> right. Like our you players are gonna hurt as much as we have. Right. We didn't you, get an you, engine. We're not Unity. <laughs> right. You observe no conveniences. So I as the gamer also am not allowed to observe <laughs> any conveniences. Um but yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was a, a, a funny little quirk or whatever, you know, a little side note that is like, oh, of course, that's how they do it. You know, oh, of course. If, if, if Ubisoft actually worked in a cave, then maybe Far Cry Primal would be a more intense game. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, so, about you? Um, so um, final game on my, I chose five to be the kind of the, most important games that I played. I've got some honorable mentions that I'll go quickly through, you know, once we kind of get to the end here, but the last game that was the most impactful for me this year, uh, no surprise to anyone who listens is of course, wow. Classic. Which <gasps> is what you thought I was going to say when I said Gorgon. Um, yeah. Wow. Classic has been awesome. Um, I have been surprised from kind of an industry viewing standpoint at how successful it was. It increased, I believe Blizzard subscription, well, WoW subscriptions by 200% uh, on launch, which is shocking. Um, I don't know that that's still true. I don't believe it is because the the server queues are a lot lower now than they used to be. Um, 
but there is still, I mean, the server I play on still does get AQ. It's just not five hours. Um, Well, even before the launch, I was surprised at its launch because they kind of early targeted the the free servers. Like they put, they put out cease and desists against the free servers and everybody was like, come on, what are you doing? And they're like, no, we're, we want to, we want to fix this ourselves. We want to do that. And everybody's like, yeah, right. Every company says that. And then just, does dmcas and the game dies right and Mm -hmm. then they came through on their promise like they said we're gonna do a wow classic and it wasn't three years later it was like three months later after the cease and desists go out they launch wow classic yeah well they actually announced wow classic at blizzcon in i think it was 2018 is when they officially announced it which is funny because in blizzcon the previous year i believe it was the previous year maybe it was two but whatever um, someone said, we want WoW Classic. And the, the head developer at that time said, no, you don't. Like, you think you do, but you, you're you not actually understanding how different it is. What he wasn't understanding is that they knew full and well, because to your point, they were playing on private servers. Right. So they do know what it's like. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's been hugely successful. And it is... It, it, it's been a lot of fun again. It's interesting. Um, it's interesting for me as someone who has played WoW since Classic. Now, I, I, I own, I've bought every expansion as they've come out. I haven't played all of them in, in great length. Um, the last couple I've played quite a bit, but then there was a, a few like Mists of Pandaria, Warlords of Draenor. Uh, I didn't, didn't really play very much. But anyway, so I, I, I remember how things changed at least for the first four years very specifically um and i and i remember always like so for example i play a what's called a feral druid which is the druid can spec into feral which means you can your your talent points are buffing your cat and bear forms so you're basically a melee person um, you can also be a healer, so you can spec into healing, or you can spec into caster DPS. So the druid can kind of be a jack of all trades. Well, the problem with that in WoW Classic is that they didn't really accommodate that very well. So, like, for example, when you go raiding, every class gets a set of raid gear that is aesthetically appropriate for that class, gives boosts to the stats that that class would want, whatever. Well, that works great if you're a mage or a rogue because you only do one thing. And so regardless of what your spec is, you kind of basically want the same stats. Well, in, in the Druid, that's not the case. So I was looking the other day at the guide for best in slot gear for a feral Druid and almost none of it is raid gear. And I was like, huh, that's interesting that the best gear for a Druid for a feral Druid comes out of dungeons instead of raids. Cause that's not, raids are harder right right? well that's because i then looked at the at the tier one raid set which is the set that's out now and it's all for druid healer it and there's not any other option right it's the only one option right so if you're not playing a healer druid or maybe even the caster dps could benefit from it but if you're playing a feral druid like i am which doesn't care about casting at all really it has no melee benefits it's all spell casting stuff and once Burning Crusade, the first expansion comes out, they change a lot of that. And right. they make they kind of make it so more specs are are truly viable and they make it so that there are gear options for all of the specs. 
And it's interesting because while I love the classic experience, like that's an example of a change that I thought was really smart because it, you've got, I think it's 27 possible spec options between all the classes that you could be in WoW Classic. And a, a significant chunk of those don't actually have good raid gear, right. top-end gear available for them, you know, or viable, truly viable options. Like, for example, if I wanted to play a, my Feral Druid and be a cat DPS, well, I might be able to get a spot in a raid, but certainly they would rather have a rogue. You're, you're nobody's right? first pick. <laughs> right, because I'm not a specialist in anything. Right. I'm just only just a slight step below everyone else and whatever they specialize in because I can do all of it. Um, anyway, it's a very long explanation. Just simply to say that like, there are all these old mechanics that are are interesting for the game when it came out. And I'm very interested to see how they carry it forward because so far they haven't announced definitively if they're going to re-release the expansions. Like one rumor I've heard that makes sense to me is that they're going to do the Burning Crusade and then a few years later they'll do Wrath of the Lich King. After Wrath of the Lich King is when the original WoW Classic world is changed in Cataclysm. Right. So if they just do those first three Classic BC and, and Lich King, then you would still have the old world intact as it really originally was. It wouldn't really truly be classic because, case in point, once you get to Lich King, the raid gear is real raid gear right. for every spec. And just the way classes play changes quite a bit. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what they'll do. There's also people have also said they hope that they come out with like a classic plus where they just add new content to classic but don't actually increase the level cap. Um, there's a lot of interesting ways they could go with it. I think ultimately they will have to expand it because the reason every MMO gets expansions is that eventually the player base at large has basically exhausted the content that's available. And as much as people are nostalgic for stuff, it still runs its Only course. Only your most hardcore people will continue playing the game the way it is, and they're going to play no matter what. Right. But right. to keep the rest of the other 90% of players in the game, yeah. Right, right. Need something new. But, but yeah, I've spent a lot of time with WoW Classic. Um, had a lot of fun playing. It was It's a rare opportunity for me to play an MMO with more than one person that I know because usually I can only convince one other person to try with me at any time I go into a new MMO. Um, so, yeah, it's been fun to have a group of people to see and play with. And uh, I I was curious how much I would like it. And, yeah, it's it's been a great time. I actually play the modern version of WoW simultaneously because the subscription covers both. And it's really interesting to see 2019's version of World of Warcraft juxtaposed with the 2004 version. Um, obviously, much is the same. <laughs> much is different also. Uh, and it's just, I don't know. I don't know when else you get to do that. I mean, I guess you could watch a rerun of a show that came out. Like, you could watch the first Law & Order episode from 1988 or whenever that came out and then watch Modern Law & Order and maybe see a difference. But I, there's just not a lot of mediums where you can get that kind of, again, juxtaposition within the same franchise. Right. So, so yeah, what uh, what's next on your list? Uh, so I chose five as well. And my last game, while it's not probably my number one, you know, significant game of the year, uh, I feel was still significant enough. Again, I didn't put my list in any specific order. Same for me. Yeah. Other than played. Um, but I threw in Untitled Goose Game. 
Nice. So I feel like, I mean, this game definitely had it. It, it burst onto the scene. It definitely dealt. It, it, it like ganks gaming news. Like it came out and did a huge burst, and then it faded pretty fast. But I feel like that it, there's still a lot of significance to kind of what the hit, the splash that it made. For I'm trying not to do goose puns, but <laughs> it it was really a good time. yeah, it was a good time. It was a great game, and I think that it, it provided me a fun co-op experience that did not care about like um, gameplay skill. So while Levelhead can have some couch co-op, by the time I had somebody else that was willing to play it with me, I was already a quote-unquote veteran at the game. And there just is are things that you can do when you know a lot about the game and all the mechanics and all the creatures and, and abilities and level design that a new person has yet to experience. There's just a lot of content to experience before you can have, have seen everything once even, you know. Whereas Untitled Goose Game does not matter if you are, like, there's just no Twitch skills. You don't have the best reaction time, doesn't matter. It's about goofing around and having fun, but in a way that is not just like a sandbox, create your own fun kind of thing. There are tasks and goals set in front of you, but it doesn't matter how good you are. You're a goose. You're not fast. You're not stealthy you're not you know you can honk and flap your wings and nobody's actually that afraid of you except the one kid that wears glasses <laughs> but most other people are just mad <laughs> at you and shoo you away so like you're just not a super powerful like there's no power curve you never get more powerful you never unlock more abilities the most you can do is pick up items that allow you to honk in different ways you know like but there's so much fun to be had both single player and multiplayer as there's not like a you don't jump in as a second goose it, there's so there's this kind of pass the controller kind of nostalgic gameplay style where it's and there's not even a, it's not like you die and pass the controller for each death or something it's just like yeah you you play for a little bit and see something and and somebody sits on the couch and shouts at you to try things and it's not backseat gaming like a lot of times when somebody shouts at me and it's like oh try this oh do that like it's why i don't twitch stream a whole lot because i get that excitement but it's just frustrating for me to deal with but in in goose game it's actually just like cooperative puzzle solving and while i think if somebody knows all the answers that having them shout just the answer to you is no fun i think that trying to figure them out together and or just try to do dumb stuff like there's just as much gameplay to be had in not the quests that they give you but just doing your own thing as there is to doing the quests like there's the same amount of fun it's it's interesting to see the number of things and reactions the ai has to stuff that you just wouldn't think would be planned for it's a much bigger game than it looks like. It, 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 there's actually quite a bit of content there, even in single player. And it's just a rare instance where you can be that big of a jerk without cheating in a tank and a rocket launcher and getting five stars, like murdering cops in GTA. Like it, <laughs> you're, you right. are a giant jerk and nobody actually gets hurt. Right. And it's just, it's such a weird thing to have, a game where the point is to be like the bad guy 
but you're not a necromancer. You're not an undead warlord. You know, you're not even like an ultra powerful like wizard or rogue or something. You're a goose. You're right. a goose, and you are the ultimate villain of this small rural know nothing town. Right. <laughs> because that's the biggest threat that they have in their existence is this evil goose. And right. it's I don't know. It's just so put such a huge smile on my face i i loved i think it did while not as as big obviously i think it did the same thing that kind of pokemon go did for me mm. which is like everybody kind of united around goose hating and loving goose hating in like a not mean way it's not like people went out and kicked geese or anything like right there was just a lot of news stories of like goose terrorizes neighborhood because there's like like we have the goose at work and stuff mm -hmm. like everybody's got an angry goose story. And right. so there was just a lot of that that was shared. And I, there was a lot of community and a lot of happy stories and funny stories that hit the news for a few weeks. And I thought that that was really, that's something that you don't see. It's not like, you know, doom comes out and everybody's sharing happy little demon experiences. Like, <laughs> That's fair, but I can't wait for Doom to come out, and I hope to share some happy little demon experiences uh, when the new one comes I out. I mean, Doom Eternal, uh, just over the horizon here. So. Right. I think we've got an episode title now for when it does come. <laughs> happy little demon experiences. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Uh, yeah, but I feel like the same kind of thing, again, on a much grander scale was kind of Pokemon Go. But it, again, just the sense of, I think for me, like 2019 was a pretty dark year, and I think for a lot of people it was. And to see these kind of lights in the darkness these spots of like faith in humanity restored kind of good feeling kind of things were just really what helped me get through a lot of the harder points of the year yeah yeah i think i thought that you know I, I still have yet to play untitled goose game obviously you've talked to me about it we had an episode where we talked quite a bit about it um I, but i i love what it represents and, and i think something that and i'm extrapolating a bit here so feel free to tell me i'm wrong um but, you know, you're married and yep. your wife is not an avid gamer. Yeah. And one similarity between Pokemon Go and this is that both of those games were something that you were able to share with your non-gaming wife, like gaming experiences. Yeah, I mean, she's not I wouldn't classify her as like not a gamer because she will destroy people at burnout. Okay. <laughs> but she's very selective about sure. games. And so to find something that's good enough to get her interested is is kind of a rare thing. And so, yeah, right. I agree that Pokemon Go and this both had that as well. And I'm not sure if there's just some certain style of gameplay element that does that or if it's the sharing that makes it. But no, I agree. There's something I, there. I mean, it, to some extent, it's probably the, you know, the lack of of really, really dramatic failure conditions. Um, some. And, and not because she's like, incapable of dealing with failing but simply that no no a game isn't fun if you don't even know how to really operate the controller that well yeah and you can't even really participate because you just simply can't make you know the first jump in mario brothers one one you know right. like well it's, uh, yeah i think it's a lot of it has to do with just like twin sticking like she's yeah. not a twin sticker and and so older games work a lot better but i don't know. know how i ever became a twin sticker i remember the first time a buddy brought Halo on, and he brought his Xbox and Halo One over to the house, and there was a few roommates, and everyone else in the house had played it, but I had not. 
And so they were like, yeah, let's play four-player multiplayer, you know, split screen yep. or whatever, on like a 20-inch TV or something. <laughs> yep. Which is now it's unimaginable. I would never agree to that now. But back then, well, that was just My laptop was. is almost that big. <laughs> and it's right. too small for me. <laughs> yeah, the monitor I, that I use, I have a 24-inch, two 24-inch monitors are my, my primary gaming PC monitors. And I would not split screen even right. on those. Most, certainly not four-player. Four yeah. Right. But anyway, so I remember trying to play and just like staring at the ground and then immediately staring at the sky and like just mm-hmm. no fine control whatsoever. Well, I remember because like I had got I played Halo on PC. And so mm-hmm. when I hit up with a couple few roommates, you know, later on and they were like, oh, yeah, let's play some Halo much. I'm like, I love Halo. I love to play <laughs> some multiplayer. And they hand me this controller. And it was just like, what do I do with this? Right. Like, I'm real. I just hyped up how good I am and I've never touched an Xbox controller. <laughs> right. So yeah, uh, there, there may be some of that there too. <laughs> right. Well, so that, that I think is a perfect segue into some honorable mentions. Um, and the reason for that is that my first honorable mention is actually a game that just came out or was released on PC um, just in December of 2019. And that is the Halo Master Chief collection. Nice. Um, Again, I haven't spent a huge amount of time with it yet because it's only been out a brief time. Um, but it's kind of cool. So it, it, it includes from Halo Halo Reach uh, and then Combat Evolved, which is one, Halo 2, Halo 3, I believe ODST, which is like an expansion kind of yeah. for Halo 3, and then Halo 4. Um, and, it, and Halo Reach is actually the earliest in that universe's chronological timeline. Right. Um, and so you, they're releasing it as each game as an episode. So I bought the master chief collection, but right now the only thing that's out is reach. Nice. And then I don't, sometime in throughout 2020, they said they'll release the rest of them. So the next game to come out will be combat evolved halo one. And with each game episode, if you want to call it that, that comes out, they're also releasing the multiplayer for that. That's so cool. it's cool because you're getting to play multiplayer from all, you know, 15 years, almost 20 years of Halo yep. experience. Um, I don't know. Yeah, just was really excited about it. Was Didn't think I would be that stoked about it, but, uh, but yeah, and I'm really excited to play Combat Evolved because I haven't played that since like... I, I was always really mad when Halo 2 came out not on PC and right. became Xbox exclusive. And I think that was that was my... Epic Game Store of what, like 2005, <laughs> was right. was me being mad that Halo wasn't coming out on PC when it it started as a PC game. Right, rah, 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 rah. right. So, <laughs> seeing it back home where it belongs is it, it makes me feel good. Right, right. So you said honorable mentions. I have one honorable mention. That's fine. So if you have more than one, maybe we hit another one of those we'll circle back to me (laughs) okay um so the next one i would do is a game called it lurks below um which is kind of a blend of terraria and diablo okay um so it looks like terraria in the way that it plays it's 2d but you can go vertical you can dig down and that's kind of the idea kind of like Diablo 1, at least, where you're just always descending to find the ultimate evil source or whatever. Um, The difference, though, is that it's exclusively single player, which is a little disappointing because it would be really fun to play multiplayer, but 
the way they've designed it, like, like if you choose a mage, the only abilities that you find are mage abilities. Or if you choose, like, I think I played as a, a bard. Well, so then the only abilities I found were stuff that a bard could use. Um, but yeah, it, it's really, again, kind of just a basic, like, looks like Terraria, you're digging, you build a house, you build, you know, a forge and different a workstation and different items to craft different things and then go harvest resources. Uh, you create new buildings for villager NPC type players to live in, kind of like, in, you know, the way Terraria works. Um, but it, it it's not quite as... For example, you don't just... In Terraria, you just build a room, and as long as it meets the qualifications of a room, an NPC, if they're available, can move in there. Right. In this, there's just a recipe for, like, the banker's... The bank. Room and so then you build to. it. Okay. Well, you so you buy a blueprint, and that takes so many materials, but once you have the materials, you get the blueprint, and then you just place it, and it places a the bank building. Okay. Right. Which is kind of cool, because yeah. it allows it to be you know, things to be more themed without me having to it be... It all looks good. <laughs> right, exactly. I don't just have a hotel uh, like I always do in Terraria. Um, anyway, yeah, It Lurks Below is a is a, a good time. And, and uh, if you like Diablo and like Terraria, it's a really excellent mashup of those two kind of games. Well, nice. So, uh, like I said, I have one honorable mention, uh, and that is uh, One Finger Death Punch 2. So... That is my honorable mention of the game that I played the least the most. And <laughs> that is on my list of honorable mentions as well. Awesome. So, so there I, you go. You know, I don't think I ever spend more than about 30 minutes straight on the game, but I've clocked many hours um, in 10 and 20 minute chunks. It is the game that I've come back to outside of like balloons, tower defense. I think it's the game that I've casually played the most and it's just such a good it's such a good blend of a rhythm game and a fighting game yeah. and it's it's fast paced it's encouraged me to go find I, I have a playlist in in youtube where i've just gone and found music that references ninjas mm. and or it makes me think of ninjas so like mortal kombat theme to like you know it's, it's a very wide variety of different artists but all largely kind of rap artists and stuff that make me think these are songs that talk about being a ninja or or act like ninja or sound like ninja mm. and i just throw that playlist on every now and again and one hand two buttons and hammer away and, and get some kills it's a nice. glorious game yeah, no, it, it's great, and it's a... I, so I prefer to play it with a mouse as opposed to a controller um, because it's just left and right click instead of the A button and, like, the X button or B button, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's a it's a game that fills this void where, like, sometimes it'll be late at night and I'm not quite ready to go to bed, mm -hmm. but I'm also don't... Ha I'm not going to have enough time to get into what I would call, like, a, a real game. <laughs> or just the cognitive capacity. Right. It's a, it's a great game when your body is functioning, but your brain isn't. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and yeah, because I can just play it with my mouse hand. Like, yep. there's, I just need left and right click and that's it. And I can just kind of slouch. I'm keyboard, left and right arrows. Which okay. is basically the same. 
Right. Yeah, the thing is, is on a controller, it's actually a little different because, I mean, I guess you could hold the controller in a different way, but assuming that you hold your thumb over the face buttons, which is how most people hold a controller, yeah, you have to move your thumb back and forth mm, between, yep. I think it's the A and the... I think well, I think the, you can do... There's a bunch of controller setups because you can do L and R triggers too. Oh, that would be yep. cool. Yep. That would be cool. That might be an interesting... I think it would be interesting to do two players in One Finger Death Punch and do like a one, or one controller, two-person playthrough. Right. It would be really fun to, to do something like that with. That would be a fun party configuration. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I would say, yeah, One Finger Death Punch 2 also on my list. Um, all right. Well, so I definitely thought I knew your honorable mention. And yet again, Oof. I have not hurt your feelings and you have hurt mine. <laughs> And that is Borderlands 3. Yeah. We spent a lot of time playing together. We did. Here's me wishbone breaking my heart. Oh, Uh, it's a... So just because it's a good game doesn't mean that it's... Because, I mean, we we searched for top five. And I had a lot of fun with you. I did. It is a very good game. It is. To me, it couldn't edge out. It didn't fit... Honorable mention? Well, I mean, I so okay. I picked one honorable mention. I didn't know we were allowed to have more than one. An honorable mention is like you didn't quite make the cut. Apparently, we should have just done a top ten. I know how Borderlands Three feels. I didn't quite make the cut either. Here, I thought, oh wow, yeah. Here, I thought I was podcasting with my friend. I now understand (laughs) that we are podcast partners. Um, No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. In fairness, Borderlands 3, which, you know, we really, we were really excited about it when we played it. Like, yeah. if, but, if you were to go but back like, if get... when I look back over the year, it was fun to play and I had a great time with you and everything, but it didn't like, it didn't have that lasting impact. And I think it was because of the, dis- I don't know if it was the disappointing ending or just the speed at which we burned out on it. I don't know. It's a good game. I loved it, but it didn't stand out in... Yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, I think if you were to go back and listen to the episodes we made, we were really, really into it when we were. Yes. But the point that you made is that it did hit a burnout very, very abrupt. We burned out very, I think we burned out in the swamp biome. Um, At least that's yeah. where I started feeling it. And yeah. there's like two more whole chunks of game, like chapters yeah. of game. So I would agree with that. Um, and part of it, honestly, I, I'm interested to go back. So what I've, what I've actually been waiting for with Borderlands now is for them to continue updating it. Mm-hmm. And I'm waiting to get a headline that says Borderlands performance issues resolved, right? Because, which I did see one the other day where I guess they've fixed, cause there was a latency when opening up like your inventory or your skills menu, like mm-hmm. just that menu I did see a thing the other day that their recent patch has eliminated that. So that would be in and of itself pretty significant. That's nice. Yeah. Um, I think they a long time ago eliminated when you aim down the sights at causing latency. So that was good. But I, I honestly just had a lot of performance issues when playing through the game that did kind of challenge, um, you know, my just pure fun with it because I'm wrestling with stuttering frames and stuff. And no, I don't have a supercomputer, but... I can run anything else without issue on high setting. So, um, but anyway, so yeah, so Borderlands three and my final honorable mention is a game called grim dawn. 
Um, Grim Dawn is an ARPG in the style of uh, Diablo or Path of Exile or that kind of game. Um, the difference with Grim Dawn and the others being that it is designed as a single-player game. Now, you can play multiplayer, but it's basically just, you know, co-op. Like, I don't know right. if you can play with randoms or not. You might be able to. I don't know. But that's not how it's designed. Like, the levels are not RNG. They're all handcrafted and designed to be, you know, laid out in the way that they are. Right. Um, and yeah, I had a lot of fun with Grim Dawn. It's actually made by the people who originally made Titan Quest. Okay. And so it, it shares with Titan Quest the class system where there's, what I think it's 11, it might be more, but we'll say 11 um, classes, and you can pick any two of those. Okay. And that combines into making your ultimate class, what you know, the final version of the class, whatever that is. Um so yeah, there's just a lot of there's a lot of theory crafting you can do. There's a lot of mix and match different builds that you can play with. Um and it's not it's not just a speed running game. I mean, certainly you can go quick, but Path of Exile is basically how fast can you get through maps. Right. And Diablo 3 really kind of turns into that too. Rift Grim Dawn doesn't doesn't have that. Yep. That's good. Well, any other uh, honorable mentions, ideas, thoughts? That 2019 is... in general, how did you feel? Was 2019 in gaming? Yeah, I like 2019 um, quite a bit. I mean, obviously, as my list <laughs> went on to <clears throat> more than just the five, I also didn't include everything that I wanted to <laughs> right, yeah. on the honorable mentions list. Um but I would say, yeah, overall, it was a great gaming year. I mean, certainly I would say it was defined for me by MMOs. While the two MMOs, Gorgon and WoW Classic, <clears throat> are the ones that I mentioned the most uh, or that I included on this list, I played several other MMOs uh, much more casually, but at least just to kind of try them out. And, uh, yeah, I, I love MMOs and had a great, uh, a great gaming year with MMOs and also had a lot of fun co-op experiences whether it was when we played starcraft and borderlands or when i played mmos with different people or when i played factorio with different people and to me that's probably my favorite thing you know you know our podcast is about why gaming matters right and i would say that for me the reason that i love it as my favorite medium of entertainment is that it is the shortest route to finding an activity with my friends that also game into something where we can go and do it cooperatively. Right. And it doesn't matter what the weather is and it doesn't matter if I sprain my ankle, you know, like <laughs> there's yep. very little limitation. And if you can find the right experience, you can have a great time with some buddies and it's uh, yeah, just a, a lot of fun. Yeah. I actually am a, a little bit frustrated now that you brought up Starcraft two and I didn't put it on my list because um for me this year has definitely been defined for me in gaming by like really introspective gaming and i think that's why borderlands isn't on the list because while it was fun and it was a great co-op experience like borderlands 3 didn't change my life right um and granted while like oxygen not included probably didn't either um ever a lot of a lot of gaming overall this year just made me look at myself and my 
relationship with gaming in general very differently. And I think that that makes it both easier and harder to like get into some games. I think that I'm a little bit restrained right now and trying to find a good game to get into because I am looking for some deep uh, prophetic experience and can't just, you know, surrender to uh, Geometry Wars style shmup or something. But I think that, you know, at the same point, too, it's just it has been such a significant year in gaming for me for a lot of games that, you know, old and new that that I spent a lot of time with just learning a lot of different things about myself and not just learning about myself, but I changed because of my relationship with games, not the other way around, which is how it usually is. And... I feel like that that's something very unique in my life, I guess. And and I feel like it's a very important kind of change in just my perspective. And I hope that, you know, as much as I hope that that perspective continues, I also hope that I can, you know, dial back a little bit of that and just enjoy some, (laughs) if I can enjoy a beat em up every now and again, that'll be all right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, I think that I, and I think, um, I think that you're right about the gaming this year being somewhat of an introspective experience in a variety of ways. You know, we've talked about StarCraft being kind of a life coach, but I'd mentioned to you separately that Factorio also kind of served as that for me a little bit because Factorio is a game that, you know, if you look up at the top of the the hill you're trying to climb, it's very daunting and it's easy to uh, just be overwhelmed and and just frankly... never get to launch a rocket. Right. Well, but yeah, I'll never get oil processing. Set. <laughs> right. You know, I'll never get this train built. Um, but it's a game where actually, if you just remain diligent and just plug away, before you know it, you've created this super, super intricate, crazy base. And it's actually really cool. I was watching a, another friend play it recently, and I looked over at his screen, and he was pretty zoomed out on his base, you know, running around doing whatever. And it just looks like a circuit board. Like, mm-hmm. The factories you create just look like circuit boards. And it always does. Like, everybody's base does. Right. It's just some of them look like a lot more symmetrical, neat, professional circuit boards than others. Right. But ultimately, that's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And I just just love it. Um, And I think that that you're right about Borderlands 3. Borderlands – so while Oxygen Not Included probably didn't change your life, you know? Right. Whatever that means. What it did do is it made you – it really, really engaged you. Like you actually had to go and look up how thermodynamics works, I'm sure, and learn some stuff or at the very least refresh some stuff that maybe you hadn't thought about in a while. Whereas Borderlands was fun, but I didn't, I didn't even look up builds. Like I didn't look up anything. I didn't mean to look up min-maxing or, yeah, I was even actually surprised at how much balancing got done to Borderlands because it's like, it's just a PVE thing. So like broken builds is kind of the point of the game. Like I was kind of surprised at how many things they nerfed and balanced when there's, there's not a point to it. Like other than like, I mean, if something other than just the dev saying they want their game to be played this way. Yeah, no, I, I completely, I, I completely agree. I was also surprised. Um, I think it was, I think some of it came from things were working in ways that they didn't intend. Yeah. And, and so it wasn't the vision that they had. Um, 
So I don't know. I, I was surprised. I was surprised. By I think I think that that's a moment though that like there were a lot of things that happened in Levelhead that were against how the devs thought that it should be, and yeah. they embraced it and made it part of the game. And in Borderlands, like the build, the Grenadier build that I made, while somewhat intended, was also somewhat not and kind of broken in a way. But that brokenness made it was the fun, was the maniacal laughter of how crazy overpowered I was. And I still got killed. It wasn't like I was invincible. Right. And yet they nerfed that. And it's like they could have embraced it, It especially for a game that's about such extreme caricatures of gaming and and to be so out there to to dial that back seemed kind of i don't know counterintuitive or something not that it was it wasn't so bad like it wasn't some egregious thing that made me hate borderlands but it was like they could have embraced that because everything else about the game like guns with legs embraces that you know yeah i i would be interested to actually go and read through all the patch notes because they've had several balance patches that's true and I think to some extent, initially what happened was like that build that you had was just way more powerful than almost any other build in the game. That's fair. And so in an effort to try and like make it so that you don't feel like you're at a disadvantage. That you have to play that character and that build. That's exactly. Fair. I think exactly. The, the thing that you do, though, is you just bring everybody else up to that point. <laughs> yeah, there, there's something to be said for that for sure. Um, and, and it's interesting, you know, game balance is something that is an eternal struggle. Oh right? yeah. And it's easier said than done. And I get right. that. Like, again, I think if it were a multiplayer competitive game, it makes way more sense. Like it's, but to me, it's not overwatch. So balance is less, is mo- more important about just like general enjoyability. And I feel like in that case, just beef everybody else up. But I, but again, easier said than done. And it's probably a lot less work to just nerf one character's two abilities than to buff three characters' 70-some-odd skill trees, you know? Well, like, I know I read that they had finally made it so that Zane now has a viable grenade. Right, because he was a, a, a rough option for late game. So I almost wonder if it's, like, more so than just taking it away entirely, like, or or, or nerfing, as it, you know, it would be called, like... It's, it is more just actually a rebalance so that the Zane character, for example, now feels more on par and the other characters aren't necessarily unplayably weak now as much right. as again, they're just not like unfairly good. I agree with you with it being PvE. I also think the other difference is that you and I also either play it solo or with each other only. Right. And a lot of people do play with randoms. That's fair. And I think there's, you know... I, I'm with you. You just though, end up I, in a party of all the same. Right, exactly. Or you get into a party with someone who can, you know, kill a boss in four seconds, and now you're not even really playing the game because yeah, they kill boss in four play. seconds. Yeah. And it's like, well, this isn't that's fun. Fair. So I, I don't know. I don't know. There, you, you're certainly right, though, that, that with PvE balancing, I definitely agree that I think that the solution should be to buff everything else before it is to just nerf something. Um, but either way, yeah. It was, um, I mean, again, it was still a good game. It was still a good experience. I don't want to sit here and harsh on it. I, I loved no. it. I just don't think it had the same. It like a good game. Unfortunately, I'm at the point. Like 2019 is a year where a good game, a great game, is not good enough to make it into. And in fact, I mean, it, it's you know of the games on my list, um, a, a couple of those games didn't come out this year. 
uh, and or at least you know maybe they were in early access earlier so there's something to be said for just how an old game gets played in this new perspective than it is to say that it just because it's a new great game i still love it but it's just it didn't do the same things that other games did to me this year yeah, I mean, out of my top five, the only thing that came out this year is WoW Classic, except that our, obviously that arguably came out in 2004. Right. So, um, and then Master Chief Collection, which also is an old thing. Now, yeah, uh, actually, of... no, go ahead. I was going to say It Lurks Below might might have come out this year. But, but anyway, generally, yes, most of the games I'm playing also came out in years prior. Um, we didn't say it up front. It should be obvious to anyone listening by now that our list was not our favorite games that came out in 2019. It's right, our favorite yeah. games that we played in 2019. Well, it's like Oxygen Not Included has been out, but it left early access. I got it on release. I actually specifically oh, okay. waited for release on that game. Gotcha. Um, Untitled Goose Game came out this year. Uh, One Finger Death Punch, I, I don't know when it came out. I just discovered that it was available this year. <laughs> so I don't know if it came out this year or not. New to me. Uh, level head definitely new this year. Minecraft not and balloons TD six, maybe late 2018 or early this year. I don't know. It's been a weird year in gaming. And when I looked through my steam purchase receipts, I did not have a lot of them in 2019. I actually did not buy a lot of games this year. I am sure that I, well, I subscribe to humble monthly bundle. So that gives me like, I don't know, a dozen games a month or something. So (laughs) (laughs) my library is ever expanding, but that's how I like it. So, (laughs) well, that's going to be all for our episode today. Uh, Please come find us on Twitter at P U Y S pod and tell us what games mattered to you in 2019. If you like this episode or any of the others, we do ask that you please rate star thumbs up, like subscribe review, Whatever options you have in your podcast app, please give us some props there as it just honestly helps the show be more discoverable uh, for other folks. Uh, It really does make a difference. If you enjoy my inane ramblings and insights and would like to hear more of that, I also invite you to come check me out on The Walk Show, uh, which is my solo podcast, and it's found everywhere you can find Pick Up Your Sticks. Overall, 2019 was a great year for gaming, and we really can't wait to pick up our sticks in 2020. Have a happy new year. Happy New Year. Hey, NFL fans, Dak Prescott here. Want to spend Sunday afternoons with your favorite teams and players? Switch to DirecTV and get NFL Sunday ticket included at no extra cost. I'm talking every live out-of-market game every Sunday, no matter where you live. So switch to DirecTV to get the 2020 NFL Sunday ticket season included at no extra cost. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Out-of-market games only. Requires choice package or above. Minimum $74.99 a month before discounts. Prices higher in second year. Regional sports fee up to $9.99 a month applies. 24-month agreement, activation, other fees, terms, and restrictions apply.